So I want to, uh, I want to um, share with you uh, a word that God placed. I only preached it for the first time last week in our own congregation. And tonight um, I'm going to be sharing in the, in the meeting how to stay connected with Christ through every season in your life. And uh, some of the secrets that God has taught me over 31 years of ministry, how to stay strong in your personal relationship with Jesus. And I'll be sharing some practical tools. Everything I share with you tonight is exactly what I do in my life. So I'm not sharing theory or how I'd like to do it. I'm actually sharing tonight what has sustained me in 31 years of marriage and 31, uh, 30 years of ministry. And uh, so um, love you to come along tonight to that as well. And also while we were in the worship, I thought I had a prophetic picture for the rock. And I saw a boat, a, uh, a, a sailing ship. Uh, it, was, it was a ship that was uh, well-maintained. It was sleek, uh, and it, but it had a, a, a great mast with these beautiful sails. And the sails had been raised. And, uh, and it wasn't going very quickly because the wind was just a light breeze. And I felt the Lord say to me, this is the rock. And they've raised the sail of truth over their congregation. And the wind blows where it chooses. We don't know when. We don't know where Jesus said. But we all know when the wind's blowing because we feel the impact of the wind. Amen. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, maintain your position of truth. And the wind of the Spirit will begin to, sow, begin to blow into the sail of this ship called the rock. And you're going to see an increased momentum as the wind of the Spirit picks up over this church. You watch, the best is yet to come. Amen. So Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that the word is life to us. We thank you, Father, that the word is like a hammer that has the ability to break the rock into pieces. It's like a fire in our bones. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And this morning, Lord, I pray as we open your word that your spirit will speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I was having my daily devotion at Christmas last year, just before we were heading away on holiday. And this passage of Scripture I'm about to read to you, I've read to you hundreds of times over my time as a Christian. And as I read it, something began to uh, bubble away in my spirit. And so I wrote it down, and I left it for six months to marinate. And I picked it up two weeks ago. And as I read it again, suddenly it just blew into full bloom. And I want to share that with you today. And I pray today that uh, there, will be some, there will be some impartation into your life. And I pray today that there will be uh, an inspiration for you to step out and be obedient to Christ with what I'm about to share with you. John chapter 1, speaking of John the Baptist's ministry, not John the Apostle who wrote this, but John the Baptist, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him. Second phrase again. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, 
upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The remarkable thing about this text, if we look into it, we see a, a man who was a little bit different in his generation. He ate insects and wore a camel suit to work every day in the desert. Uh, he was sent by God not to preach in the great coliseums of his day, but he was sent into the desert to preach with a ministry. Who, get, who goes into the desert to preach and have a ministry except for somebody who has been sent by God? And John's in there, and then he makes this remarkable statement, which I want to introduce the concept that I want to share with you today, which I know will be a great blessing to you as you allow this concept to unlock what has already probably been happening within your life, but you can see it with a greater clarity. So John says this, I did not know him. And then he makes this remarkable statement. He says, for him to be revealed... To Israel, I had to come baptizing with water. So this is what John's saying. He's saying there's a divine sequence of events that must take place of which I have been blessed to be called a part of. And when I'm obedient and I step out in faith to obey what Christ has put within my spirit, I'm going to unlock a series of events that will cause the promised Messiah of the Old Testament to suddenly have a platform and a stage to prepare the way of the Lord, a highway of holiness on which the Lamb of God would be revealed to the world. But except I first came water baptizing, he couldn't be revealed. Could it be this morning that there are divine sequences ready to be unlocked over your lives of which you have an integral part central to God unlocking divine sequences all around your life that will reveal Jesus to the world. Wow. What is a sequence? I looked it up in the di di uh, dictionary. A set of related events, movements, or items that follow each other in a particular order. Was there any other divine sequences mentioned in this passage about John's ministry? Yes, there was. There was another divine sequence, and this is how it went. And John says, God spoke to him before this event unfolded, and he said this. He said, upon the one you see, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. He's the one that will not come baptizing with water, but will come baptizing with the Holy Spirit. He will immerse people's lives in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, not just water. In fact, we don't read any account of Jesus baptizing others with water. His disciples did the baptizing, but he baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. So let's examine this principle a little bit more as we see, which makes it even more remarkable. Can I just move this just so that my vista, I like to see the congregation. Here you go. We're not blocked anymore. 
You see, this is what we understand. How many of you understand this? That Ephesians tells us that we were predestined to be in Christ. Before you were born, I knew you, God says. You see, the God that we serve, Jesus Christ, he actually knows the end from the beginning. Not the beginning from the end, but right now he can look down the time tunnel of your life and he knows exactly what's going to take place within your life. How can he do that? Because he's God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's everywhere at once. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is God. And this is when we look into the life of John, we discover this. 800 years before Christ was born, God puts into progress a series of events of divine sequences, and he prophesies the ministry of John the Baptist 800 years before he's born. Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Who is that? John the Baptist. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You see, John was to provide a domino effect in the world. Through his obedience to the prophetic call over his life, he was about to unlock a stage for the Son of God to be revealed for the promised Messiah prophesied hundreds of times in the Old Testament who was to come and be a savior for the world and for the nation of Israel. And here he is, stepping out, being sent to a desert. Sent to a desert to baptize people with water. That's even more weirder, don't you think? Desert and water going together. You see, God's world is upside down often to our logical reasoning and thinking. So God prophesies, he looks down the timeline of John's life, and he says, John, 800 years before you were born, I knew you, and I've set a sequence of events that will have a domino effect over your life when you step into the calling that I've called you with. And 800 years later, he goes into the desert, preaches a message of repentance to prepare the way of the Lord. He says, you've got to change the way that you're thinking about God because if you don't, you're going to miss the promised Messiah. He said, you've got to change everything about the way that you're viewing God. Otherwise, you're going to miss the bus that the Messiah is going to arrive on. And and I've been sent. And the reason why I've come is to prepare the way of the Lord. And as I prepare the way of the Lord, Jesus is going to turn up. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John unlocks a divine sequence of events that changes the history, not only of Israel, but the history of the world. You're here today because of his obedience. Wow. You see, if this is going to be a principle, we're going to look right across the whole of the scripture and see if in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established or confirmed. Amen. So let's, is that me? That is me? You reckon go for the handheld? Yeah. I hate being a nuisance. Okay. Well, that's a richer, more full voice. The voice. 
These guys can make us sound whatever they want. They have power up the back there. That, the tower of power, the sound guy. The most powerful poor person in the Sunday morning service. Don't like your singing. So why don't we take a look at the man whom the Bible calls the father of all who believe. What's his name? Abraham. Let's have a look at this. If this principle of divine sequencing is true, it's got to be true for Abraham's life because he's the father of all of us who believe. He is, he is the figurehead of all who believe God by faith. And so Genesis 12, God, you know, Viv gives a prophetic word this morning and says, listen, this is what God turns up one day to a man called Abraham who hasn't had a name change at this point. And he turns up, and this is what he says to him. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. How many of us are going to have to have a problem right there? Because I'm a mummy's boy. I just couldn't bear ever leaving home. And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And this is what he says he'll do. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God says, I'm going I'm to make you a great nation. He says, I'm going to give you a great name. He says, I'm going I'm to make you a great blessing. And then he says this astounding statement that through you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. That's a big prophecy. If I was to prophesy something like that, you would be examining that with a, with a microscope today. Wow, that's a high-powered prophecy. But you see, this is what happened. Abraham took God at his word. You know, can you imagine them all jumping in the chariot that day? Dad, well, there's no kids, but, you know, maybe the nephews and everybody else around them. You know, where are we going? I don't know. We're heading out to a place I've never been before. Are we there yet? I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm not quite sure where it is yet. You see, to have an impact for your generation, you're going to have to learn to listen and walk by faith as Abraham did. And that comes out of, we're going to discover in a moment, that comes out of your relationship with Christ is your ability to be a son or a daughter of God that is led by the Spirit of God. Because when you're led by the Spirit of God, you have the ability to unlock divine sequences that will follow you and all the rest of your life where people People will meet Jesus Christ where people's lives can be turned upside down because you've been willing to listen and to walk by faith. So Abraham walks by faith and he heads out. You see, if Abraham hadn't been obedient, there would be no nation of Israel today. And the purpose of God getting together a nation or a people was to bring the promised Messiah. He needed a human race in which he would introduce Jesus Christ to the world. That's why Jesus was a Jew, because of Abraham's obedience to form a people in which through a tribe that God could bring the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
Jesus Christ. It would take faith. It would take obedience. So I want to talk very quickly about how this divine sequencing works within our life. Number one, it works through relationship. Relationship. Not rules and regulations, but relationship. When you're in love with somebody, you don't want to hurt their feelings. When you're in love with somebody, you want to always do what's best for them, even if it means sacrifice on your part. When you're in love with somebody, it causes the world to be viewed through different eyes. And divine sequencing, if we look all the way through Scripture, if we looked at John the Baptist who had a passion and a love for God, it cost him his life. He was one of the first martyrs of that season in in history where he was beheaded because he spoke the word of truth. And can I just say this? We all know what's going on right now in the realm of social media. We all know the Israel Falau story. We all know the rights and wrongs and everything else. You can interpret that through your own eyes. But I tell you what, it impinges on freedom of speech. And what we're going to see happening in the Western world is what's been happening in the Eastern world for a long, long time. I've been preaching up in uh, the East for many, many years now, for several decades. And I've met pastors who've been in prison for years and years and years because they were obedient to the Word of God. God. Let me tell you, friends, that is coming to the West. That's why this issue of relationship is so key, because I don't believe we're always going to be able to do church as we've always done it, and it's going to, you're going to find out who the true followers of Christ are when the heat and the pressure comes on the church, whether you actually have a relationship with Jesus. So, God forms Adam out of the dust, and I can just imagine that first day that Adam was awoken as God breathed the breath of life into Adam. He molded him out of the dust. You know, that's where we come from. That's where we return back to, dust to dust, earth to earth, ashes to ashes. And I can, rem- I can just imagine as Adam opened his eyes for the first time, and he looked into the face of pure love as God the Father's love was radiating down into Adam. And he was born into relationship. In the call of the day, Adam and Eve would fellowship with God every day. They had a wonderful relationship with God. You are born for relationship with Jesus Christ today. And that's the first part in every example that you will read of in Scripture. That every person that's ever been able to unlock a divine sequence of events over their life, it has to be born out of relationship. How's your relationship going today? You know, in my marriage, we've had had some fantastic times of pure joy, and we've had some seasons of terrible trials. We've had great tragedy take place within our family. We've lost family members way before their time. We've seen the pressure come on. Uh, our marriage in many, many different ways. But through it all, the relationship that we've built with one another, we're still married 31 years later because of the grace of God, but because of our willingness to love one another no matter how we feel. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is wanting the best for whoever is the object of that love. That's what true love is all about. And that's the type of love that God is building in a relationship with you. So the first thing to unlocking divine sequences is your relationship with God. The second thing to unlock divine sequences over your life is your ability to hear Him. To hear Him. 
as Viv has already pointed out. He got John the Baptist's attention. He got Abraham's attention. Has he got our attention this morning? Because to unlock those sequences of divine activity over your life, you're going to need to be able to hear him. You're going to need to be able to say, I hear you, Lord. I know what you're saying to my life right now. Sometimes we look through the glass dimly, and it's a little bit fuzzy. Sometimes we don't have all the micro details, but God will give you a macro picture for your life in the general direction of where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. He will. He's promised to lead you. He's promised to never forsake you. He's faithful in all that he does. He knows how to get your attention, and he teaches us to listen. And one of my favorite scriptures in the whole of the Old Testament is Proverbs 8, verse 34 and 35. It says this, blessed is the man who listens to me. That's a good verse, isn't it? Blessed is the man who listens to me, the woman who listens to me. And look, here's the key, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. We know in ancient cities, of uh, the biblical historical accounts, ancient cities were protected by great walls, which Greg has also alluded to this morning as well, the walls of Jericho. They were formidable walls, and there was only certain access and exit points from those walls. There were gates positioned all through. How many of you have been to Jerusalem here in the congregation? Wow, some of you need to go. By the grace of God, I release a trip to Israel to you in the name of Jesus. And, uh, but you'll find in the ancient city of Jerusalem that there are different gates in which you can access the city and exit from. It's the only way in, the only way out. You see, gates are like a portal, a portal, a way in and a way out within our lives. And here the scripture says, you've got to establish a portal where God's word can get through into your spirit, where you can hear what God is saying to you in the season, inclining your ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you at this time and at this season. And the Bible says the man or the woman who sits daily, and I'm going to be talking about some of my daily routines of how I how I focus and how I hear the voice of God and my message to you tonight, how I draw from the wellspring of life and bring clarity to the voice of God for my life. But this is what the Bible goes on to say, that he who does that obtains favor from the Lord. You see, it's not, it's not, a, it's not your works, but it's understanding his ways. And when you understand his ways, the works of God will follow you all the days of your life. You'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever, all the days of your life. As you discover God's ways for your life, then you'll find as you wait daily at the gates, at the posts of his door, that revelation will come to you that will open the pathway for your life. Watching daily unlocks divine sequences over your life. And lastly this morning, obedience. Obedience. It's one thing to have a relationship. It's one thing to be able to hear what God is saying to you. But it's another thing altogether to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is talking to you about in your life at this time. And I simply say this, you don't need to look past any of the books of the Bible 
to discover that anyone who unlocked divine sequences in the scriptures were tested often severely in the realm of obedience. You don't see anything about Elijah the prophet until 1 Kings 17, where out of nowhere, there's no previous record in the scriptures of this man growing up. There's no record of where he's been schooled. There's no record of where he comes from. And he comes to the highest ruler of the land. And he says to the highest ruler of the land, King Ahab, only at my word is there going to be rain falling from the sky. You're put on notice. Now that's power. That's courageous. You don't stand before kings and utter divine prophecies unless you have been prepared. And many great men and women of God have been prepared in the shadows, in the place of obscurity, because God's been honing their obedience in order to unlock divine sequences of events where God can be displayed, where signs and wonders and a display of God's love and majesty can be revealed to the world because of your obedience. Obedience. I think of the last season in my life, we've pastored five congregations. We've planted three churches. And in this last season, it was a real trial for me because I started to obey this word that God gave me to leave the place where I was ministering. Both my wife and I were on good salaries. We had very large roles in the organization that we were involved with. We had a lot of responsibility. And we were in, we were in a large stream heading in a certain direction with the flow of what was happening. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me first and he spoke to my wife. And then he said, James, I want you to come out from this. And I want you, and, and when you come out from it, you're going to understand this. I've got to teach you how to swim upstream in a downstream world. That a lot of the things that, that you have been encouched in, I'm about to show you some things that you haven't seen yet. And it's going to require courage, courage and a lot of obedience to step out. So when God told my wife and I to leave where we were ministering, we had no job. We had no income, a half a million dollar mortgage living in Auckland. And God says, I want you to leave everything, step out and trust me. A little Abrahamic-like, but probably not quite the same thing. But nevertheless, and, we, and we, had, we, had to, we had to really know that God was there. So I said to the Lord on the day that we were making a decision, I said to the Lord, you've got 48 hours, God. You've got 48 hours to make this absolutely clear to me because this is everything for us. There's no turning back. And four hours later, after my wife and I had prayed together, we had joined together in agreement and amen, asking God for a sign over the next 48 hours before we gave notice on where we were serving. A very strange-looking man from the other side of Auckland, where we were, we ducked into a supermarket on our way home, wasn't in our normal suburb, comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, excuse me, sir, are you a Christian and your wife? You're both Christians, aren't you? And I looked at him, 
And I thought, ooh, I wonder what planet this guy was born on. And he says, and I said, who are you? And he says, I've got the word of the Lord for you, a complete stranger. And this is what he said to me, word for word. I can remember every word. He said to me, you've been taking small steps of faith. And God's just asked you to take a giant step of faith. And you're asking him, is this me? Is this me? He wants you to know it is, it is him, but he also wants you to know that it's, it's not a normal thing for a person to take strides like this in their normal everyday life because they get, they get shaky and they become unsteady. But he said, it's not going to be like that for you because God's called you to where he's leading you to. And you're going to walk like this, sure, strong, steady, and unshakable because God is with you. And the power of God hit my wife and I on the street and we began to weep and shake and cry under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that was our call to leave our home country behind, so to speak, and step out into the flow of the Spirit of God. And you know what? Since we did that, it's now seven years ago, seven, six years ago, six years ago since we did that. Literally, and this is no exaggeration because we minister in large gatherings overseas, thousands and thousands of lives have been impacted through that one step of obedience, which is unlocked. Georgie and Ania, you're about to see next weekend, are a result of divine sequences, a series of related events, simply because, and I'm only giving myself as an example because I think that's the best example I can give. I've got to be living what I'm preaching, amen? And so as a result of that, We've seen an impact. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen lives changed. We've seen families restored. You know, right now I'm minister, we're ministering to this guy from the Headhunters. We're ministering, we're ministering into his family. And his family is, you know, without divulging too many details, all I can say is that there's certain drugs that are going around the world right now, and they've absolutely destroyed his family. And when, when we first started going around discipling them, we're sitting with them, and I have post-meetings with Georgie and Ania as we're looking at where we go to next with this family. And, uh, and, I, and I said to them on day two of our discipleship with them, I said to them, look, right now, if you look at the reality of what you're facing, you're thinking there's no hope for my family. But I want to tell you right now that your family is about to change. What you need to do is to stay strong. What you need to do is not wilt under the pressure because persecution is going to come even from your own children. Persecution is going to come. And you need to know, this is what the Word of God says. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. They're broke. They need a car. They've got 41 grandchildren because their kids have proliferated. And, and they're looking after a lot of the grandkids. But they've got no money. And they didn't have enough seatbelts in their car to take their grandkids to school. And she got convicted about it when she came back to Christ. And she said, and so she started praying as I shared that word that God will take care. All you need to do is keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes dead straight ahead. Be obedient to what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. And so a couple of weeks back, she sees in the auto trader, a South Auckland car dealer that, that, where you can get a, a three grand car for $45 repayments a week. You know, most of us here, no offense, sorry to any car dealers, we're thinking South Auckland car dealer. Whoo, that's a big call. <laughs> Will the wheels on the car go round and round? <laughs> and so 
Husband didn't want to go. And, uh, and she says, come on, come on, we'll just go and have a look. We might be able to find something. We, we need a breakthrough. So they head all the way across to South Auckland. They get on the car lot. The two cars that are seen in the auto trader, both of them have been sold. So the staff member said, I'm sorry, they're both sold. The boss is going to be here in five minutes. Maybe you want to talk to him. The guy that we've been discipling, it's headhunter. He says, no, let's go. I don't want, want to be here. And she says, please stay, stay, stay. Just stay a little bit longer. So they stay. The boss comes, sits them down in the office. And as they sit down in the chair, sits down opposite them. And he says to them, you're both Christians, aren't you? Without a word being spoken. And the ex-gang member, his jaw opens and he's going, how did you know? And he said, do you remember in the Bible where Mary went to visit Elizabeth and the babe leapt within her womb? as there was a witness of the Spirit. He said, I witnessed as soon as you came in the room that you were both Christians. And then he says, oh, I'm not a very good Christian. He said, I've got all this stuff going on in my life. I'm trying to do my best and I'm getting help. My pastor's helping me right now, but it's, it's hard work. And then he's, they start talking a little bit more and he says, look, the cars that you came to see, the, he said, they're, 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 they're sold, but there's one out there that you might want to have a look at. Go and have a look at the station wagon on the lot. And then come back and tell me what you think. So she went out there and came back and he said, oh, we can't afford that. And he says, I'll tell you what, I'll do a deal. So he got his paperwork and he started writing on his paperwork and then he pushed the paper across the table. And he says, can you afford this? Under the cost of the vehicle, nil. A South Auckland car dealer... Gives them a car. He says, oh, you might need some money for gas. Digs into his pocket, gives cash so they can go and put some petrol in it to get them back to West Auckland. As she's telling me the story, they're weeping through tears of gratitude as they're seeing Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. You see a further unlocking of divine sequences and activity of the Holy Spirit out of their life as she was obedient to that prompting to follow through on that little ad she saw in the auto trader. As I conclude this morning, I want to go to the book of Timothy. The book of Timothy, First and Second Timothy, is the old seasoned apostle in the later stages of his ministry, the apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul. I want to sit down and spend a few smokos with the apostle Paul when we get to heaven and sit down and have a chat about the amazing revelations of Christ and being in Christ that Paul received. But he's talking to the young pastor at Ephesus, Timothy, and he says this in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. I don't know what gospel you've been presented, but the one that says come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved is not the gospel of the scriptures. Come to Jesus. You want to talk to Georgie next week? He said, man, my problems just got magnified when I came to Christ. He came to Christ in his prison cell. And there was a hierarchy and a pecking of order that God eventually had to get him to let go of. 
and that whole thing. And he had to give up his patch. He had to give up all that hierarchy in prison. And he said he just used to walk backwards and forwards in his cell because he wanted to physically harm people. Because they were now dominating his former patch that he had, but God asked him to give it up, to surrender it, to endure afflictions. The gospel that Jesus shared wasn't a gospel where we're all looking through rose-tinted glasses and it's all going to be wonderful. The gospel, did you know that all of the apostles suffered a martyr's death? Now, I'm not into a martyrdom mentality, but I'm just saying, look at the scriptures and understand that if you want to follow Jesus, you can only do it if you follow him his way. Because if you, if you adopt another way and means of following Christ that's not his way, when the affliction begins within your life, you'll put your hands in the air. You'll throw your Bible on the ground and you'll say, this thing doesn't work. Well, it does work if you're prepared to endure afflictions. Where God can build a heavenly steel into your spirit. That will cause you no matter rain, hail, sleet, shine. If you build your house on the rock, if you listen and obey my words, Jesus said, those storms will come around your life, but you are building upon unshakable material. We shall not, we shall not be moved. Amen. That is the gospel that we follow. And that is the risen Christ that we love and we adore. Endure all afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was a pastor. I can't share the gospel, pastor. I'm not gifted like you. I just fumble over my words. And I don't know, Paul's telling Timothy, who's a pastor, to do the work of an evangelist. We've all got a story to share. The greatest story that you've got in in your arsenal of weaponry is the story of how you came to Christ. Nobody can steal. That's your experience. And then he says this, fulfill your ministry. I want to tell you today, ministry, people think ministry is what I'm doing today. No, no, ministry for most people, for 95% of all Christians is between nine to five in the marketplace, presenting Jesus by your lifestyle, modeling the truth letting them see you work under pressure, letting you be squeezed and instead of lemon juice coming out, seeing beautiful orange juice coming out because you've retained a sweet spirit in the middle of all of that. But you have a ministry in the marketplace. You have a ministry in the home, mothers. You have a ministry to raise your children. Fulfill your ministry. This is what he's saying. There are sequences of divine events that want to follow your life. Don't through lack of relationship and hearing and disobedience, stop that sequence of divine events unfolding around about your life. You must fulfill what God has started. He's promised to finish within your life. Can I hear an amen this morning? And then he says this. If we go back to 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. He's talking about fighting the good fight of faith. And he says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made over you, concerning you, that by them, by what? The prophecies, that you may wage the good warfare. 
Having faith and a good conscience. Don't let go. Don't get into gray areas. Don't let things slide. It'll be okay just this once. Don't allow yourself to start heading into seared conscience ground where you're doing stuff and you're crossing the line, not because there's a rule or regulation, but because the Spirit of God within you is being grieved through your behavior because you know you're crossing the line and doing something that God doesn't approve of within your life. He says, he says retain a good conscience. Retain a life of faith. which some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. Friends, this is my final point I want to make to you this morning. Simply this. What is prophecy? Prophecy is the prediction of a sequence of divine events that God has promised to fulfill over your life, that God is revealing back here in 2019, and he's looking down the timeline. He may not give you a date or a month or a precise time, but he's saying through prophetic word, these are the divine sequence of events, James, that I want to unlock within your life down here. Now I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to prophesy over your life so that you have an understanding of the direction of your life, and you will find that as you position yourself And as you align yourself, some of you may go to the food court at the mall today. If you do not approach those glass electronic doors from the right angle, if you try and come in from the side, that sense is not going to see you. In order to walk through an open door, you must present yourself and align yourself with that sensor. And when you do, the doors will open and you will gain access into that building, and you will gain access into a fruitful life of divine sequences unlocking and for the hand of God to be revealed within your life. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Don't let go of those prophetic words. Some of you have got them sitting with dust accumulating upon them. Oh, yeah, that was a time where I remember that pastor spoke that word over me, and that was way back then, but you haven't been bringing them before God. You haven't been saying, God, this is what you said. This is what you spoke over my life. I need to blow the dust off this and I need to position myself in order for this to come to pass in the name of Jesus. Could we stand to our feet, church? Paul clearly says here, some have rejected what I sent to them. Some have rejected their conscience, and now they're shipwrecks. They were once sailing out into the unknown with a strong sense of direction, with a strong sense of safety and security over their lives, but now their ship has suffered turmoil and has become shipwrecked upon the rocks of failing to obey their conscience and persevering with faith. In this room today, there is power like a nuclear generator that can be unlocked through divine sequences that you have the power to unlock over your life that can change the face of your neighborhood, your workplace, that has the ability to spark sparks of revival 
within this nation. It only takes one spark to get a fire going, friends. One spark. That spark this morning, God wants to begin to birth within your life again today. Understand that God's hand, his steering wheel, his guidance is firmly placed over your life. He loves you. He wants the very best for your life. He has a plan for a future and for a hope over your life. The plans of God over your life are astounding. And sometimes he'll pull back the curtain so that you can see ahead of time a series and a sequence of events that God wants to unlock. But like everything, it's going to require relationship, listening, and obeying what God has said. There may be some here that have come this morning. And right now, if I was to ask you, are you walking a straight walk with Jesus? Some of you may say, well, I don't know how to do that. Who's Jesus? Well, Jesus is the one who gave himself for you. Jesus is the one I've been talking about all day. And 2,000 years ago, he gave his life for you. He took all of your sins upon himself. And he removed the punishment that was due to you. And he took it upon himself so that you don't have to go through it. He substituted himself into your shoes. And he paid the full penalty for all of your wrongdoing. And I'm going to ask before I open the altar for prayer this morning. Is there anyone in the building today? You're either backslidden or you've never really given yourself over to Christ to follow Jesus, to become a disciple of Christ. And this morning, God is tapping on the door of your heart. And he's saying, open that door to me this morning. Could I just have every head bowed for a moment, every eye closed, just to give a moment of privacy You'll know if God has been speaking to you about getting your life right with him. Just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. And I'm going to pray with you to take the first step of what it means to become a follower of Jesus. And that is to open your life for Christ to come and live inside of you. That Christ will be in you after this prayer that we've prayed this morning. You will be in Christ and Christ will be in you. Is there anyone this morning that is in that position? Could you quickly slip your hand up so I can see you this morning? God bless you. May put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you. Up the back. May slip your hands down. Is there anyone else here this morning that's prepared to take that step? Saying, I don't know how it all works, Pastor James, but I do know this one thing. God bless you, sir, up the back. May slip your hand down. Is there anyone else here this morning? I don't know how all this works, but God bless you, sir, at the front. God bless you, sir, up the back. Fantastic. Just a moment longer. Friends, you don't know, have to know how it all works. You simply have to believe this morning. And simple faith can change your life today in Jesus Christ. I'd like to lead those of you that have raised your hand. I'd like to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus into your life. And I want to say to you, it's the most rewarding moment in my life to do what you're about to do. I did 30-odd years ago, and it completely changed the course and direction of my life. I was never the same again. I've had my challenges, and I've had my battles, as you will have. That's the reality of the world that we live in. But you will never have to walk alone again after you've prayed this prayer. 
Let's all pray together with them, church. Dear Lord, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son for me. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and I seek your forgiveness and I receive it this morning. Jesus Christ, I ask you to come into my life. I step across the line of faith and I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior to start day one of a new journey with you. Help me, Lord, to keep my eyes fixed on you so that I may follow you, Jesus. And we all said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning.